0: Hello again my gorgeous listeners as always, you're always very gorgeous and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Glow West podcast where we are here to chat all about the wonders of sex, sexuality and the body. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Caroline West, and I'm delighted to be part of the Tortoise Shack Network, where you can find tons of politics, culture, society, um, and you name it, we talk about it over there on our podcasts, and of course, me with Sex Podcast. If you like what we do, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash Tortoise Shack. That really does help us to keep the mics on, or if you like, you, you can pop over to Apple and rate and review. You can also drop me a DM on Instagram or Twitter at glowwestpodcast. So today my guest is a very busy bee. Um she almost has repetitive strain injury in her fingers from typing so much, not from other sex activities, although that might be a different thing. Um I'm here today to talk to a writer of erotica which and a very prolific one at that. So my guest today is Rachel Kramer Bussell. She's the editor of over 60 erotica anthologies, including Come Again, Sex Toy Erotica, The Big Book of Orgasms, Dirty Dates, Spanked, and the Best Women's Erotica of the Year series. Her erotica stories have been published in over 100 anthologies, including Best American Erotica 2004 and 2006, edited by Susie Bright, and Succulent, Chocolate Flavour 2, and Purple Panties, edited by Zane. Rachel writes widely about sex, dating, politics, culture... No, sorry, I'm going to start that again. For some reason, my O's and my W's are not working today. Okay. Okay. Rachel writes widely sorry, just too many words. Okay. (laughs) Rachel writes widely about sex, dating, books, culture, and herself. She teaches erotic writing workshops around the world and online and consults about erotica and nonfiction sex writing via her website, eroticawriting101.com. And you can follow her on Twitter as well. Uh, She is Raquelita, which is R-A-Q-E. U-E-L-I-T-A. Rachel, thanks Emil, for joining me. You very busy bee. How are you? Thank you
1: for having me. I'm good. I'm good. And I like being busy.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I I get that. (laughs) Like, I'm definitely busy. But yeah, 60 erotic anthologies. Okay. Like, where do you find the time? That is a lot. What age did you start getting into this?
1: It is a lot. But I started editing those in 2004. So... It, it's been a long time. That's still so, a fair, fairly yes. high production rate. Yes, I mean at the beginning, um, you know, I think editing anthologies was it was easy and it was hard at the same time, I, and I think there were things I didn't always uh, consider that I do now. So I, it's gotten easier, but then I challenge myself more now. So, but I think if if you said, "Oh, I wrote sixty books." that to me would be a lot more um, difficult, but because I'm working with other people's writing, not that it's always easy, but it it's different because I'm looking for different types of things. And I think for me anyway, I can offer more diverse types of stories because I'm using so many people's voices, not just my own voice. And I think that's part of why I've continued to do it, because it's still as interesting to me as it was at the beginning, because there's new writers coming into erotica all the time. So there's new ways of looking at sex and thinking about it and just new voices to explore. So that's, I think what keeps me going
0: yeah that's and that sounds amazing because I think a lot of you know for I suppose a long time erotica was viewed as oh Mills and Boone and it was you know the man was often because it was very hetero so the man was like this long-haired Italian Flavio stripper kind of type and you know it was very predictable you know they'd end up together and stuff but it just seemed to be very um same old same old kind of formulaic so i love that you are bringing in all those different voices in into the equation just to get i mean there's so much so many aspects to sex and so many different ways you can have sex it seems a bit reductive to just stick to the same formula so that's lovely to hear
1: and i i agree i think also romance which you know that sometimes there's overlap what you were talking about could be romance or erotica can be harder to find erotica, but romance has gotten sexier, certainly in the last 20 years. Um, It's pushed more boundaries that back then you might not have seen um, anal sex or bondage. I mean, now those are pretty regular things, multiple partners. So I think a lot of the difference between romance and erotica, and some people read both, some read one or the other, is In romance, you have that traditional happy ending with usually two people. In erotica, someone might might wind up alone, but they're not lonely. You know, like they might have still fulfilled their purpose in the story. And I think because of that, you don't always know what you're going to get. And if you're reading romance, which I do too, you know, that's what you're looking forward to. That's what you know will happen in erotica really literally anything can happen. And I think that's really cool because it gives writers a way to explore types of sex that often are less common in our culture. I mean, maybe it's someone who has an unusual fetish or a fantasy that that literally could not happen in real life because it's with, I don't know, aliens or with just something that I mean, I guess maybe alien sex could happen. I'm not expert enough to (laughs) say, but you know what I mean? Like, I think there really are so many ways you can approach sex in real life and in erotica. And what I've been really happy to get to do is to introduce readers to a lot of different ways, not not every kind of way, but... um, A lot of different ways that these characters look at sex and appreciate it. And there are still things that I learn from the writers who send me stories because they're just things that no matter how long I sat at my computer for, I would never have come up with. Like maybe it's science fiction, which my mind just doesn't conjure up other worlds, or maybe it's just a perspective of a certain character who's been through you know, X, Y, and Z, and that's informed their sexuality That that I just wouldn't write because I maybe haven't thought about that before. So I really hope my books first and foremost entertain people, but I also hope they give them things to think about because for me reading Erotica, which I did before I started writing it, open my eyes to different kinds of sex you could have or different body parts you could use for sex or different ways you could be having sex. I think so often we think of what the act of sex is as a very specific act. And for some people, you know, it could be a massage or it could be, you know, a foot rub or whatever. I mean, that act could be sexual for them in a way that's as powerful, if not more powerful than the traditional ways we would think of it as and I think in written erotica you can really delve into why that foot rub let's say is so sensual like what it means to that person but and how it feels physically but also what it conjures up for them.
0: I I think that's a nice way there, there seems to be more space for exploration and I suppose the joy of reading is that you get to create your own world with that as well and I'm reminded of of a a great ad I, I don't know who ran it now but it was lots of people reading the same sentence of a person walks down the street and then they showed lots of different people imagining that completely different some people chose a woman and the outfits were different and all that so I love that there's still a bit of freedom for your own imagination to come in even though you're reading whereas maybe with more visual Stuff you're a little bit more restricted than of like okay that's actually what's on the screen that's that's kind of where you go so do you find it a bit more liberating than maybe porn shows sex to be and a very mainstream porn can be a little bit formulaic you know um we're not anti-porn but you know it's a little bit formulaic in places
1: I mean I actually don't watch a ton of porn myself so I can't really speak I mean, from personal experience, I've seen porn. I'm just always been a reader in general, like in, in the same way with mainstream stuff. I mean, I do watch movies, but I I love to read. And I think part of it is because you you're this more active, I I do think more active participant. You're picturing something. And like you said with those sentences, you and I might read the same exact story and come away with different ideas about it. And lately I've been in a lot of book clubs, some erotic, some not. And it's so interesting to hear, you know, which parts of them people really found interesting or which they didn't, what parts they didn't like, and also just what people picture. And I'm one of those people, I don't always picture people's faces with super specific details. Like I'm more thinking in general terms, like I, I think I tend to think of the physical action and less about the, you know, exactly like, even if it says they have long hair, I I don't know. Sometimes I think about that. Sometimes I don't, I guess it depends on what else is happening. You know, if that person's hair is being pulled, of course, I'm going to think about it more clearly but i i think other readers do want to really visualize every detail and they want the authors to fill it in um and i think the same goes for sex you know one of the biggest pieces of feedback i give authors i work with and consult with is you know what is happening not just physically like whose hand is touching what part but why is it so sexy for them what about this moment and whether that moment is taking place in a bedroom or a train station, or an airplane, or wherever, like, why is it sexy? And I think sometimes, especially when it's not in a bedroom, you know, people think, oh, well, of course it's sexy, because they're having sex on a plane. And, you know, everyone thinks that's sexy. But first of all, not everyone thinks that's sexy. Like, there's no universal thing that everyone agrees is sexy. Those those bathrooms are not pleasant on planes. You can't (laughs) assume that the reader will just know what's sexy to that character. And also everybody's different. So, you know, what might be sexy to the person in seat 1A is totally different than the person in seat, you know, 2B. And so I think erotica gives readers and writers a chance to explore those things and and really get into not just what's sexy about this general thing, like whether it's airplane sex or sex toys or whatever, but for that character and based on their you know, fantasies, their life experience. And I think that's the same for most people. I mean, I'm 45, so what's sexy to me now is different than it was at 25, which it could be the same. I mean, for some people, it may remain the same. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying I think most people, their the rest of their lives, their life experience changes them, and the same goes for sex. And I think erotica gives people a chance to explore... from all ages and all aspects of life like it might be different if you're with the same person for 20 years or 30 years and then suddenly you're not with them and how does that change your outlook
0: yeah true yeah And, and sex isn't static you know like that yeah it can totally change in different ways so well building on that then like what makes a good piece of erotica is it, is it like you just said there about the, what is the sexy part or is it particular themes or style of writing or what, what is I don't, it?
1: I don't think I, I mean, first of all, like whatever I say is going to be subjective. So yeah, with yeah. that in mind, but I do think, I think it's, I don't think it's anyone's style of writing or any type of amount of sex or way of describing sex. For me, it's really that as a reader, I'm right there with that character and I understand why they're so aroused by whatever's happening. And I want to know, okay, what, what happens next? Like I'm right there with them. And that could be a really slow sensual scene where you're not dragging out in a bad way, but where it's, you know, the tension builds and builds and maybe it almost never releases. Like maybe, you know, they're doing something that is, not as fast and furious you know shall we say like maybe it is a massage and the massage gets more and more of a you know erotic intimate massage I think that could be done really well and so could kind of a really outrageous scene of like a gang bang um but I don't think either one is just inherently sexy because you could also describe either of those in ways that from for me as a reader like i wouldn't find erotic. So i think it's so much about the details and the sensual aspects of the the surroundings like using all the five senses but also what brings that person to this situation. Why did that a person, why did that person attend the gangbang? And that might be different, you know, you might be telling two different people's or more than two people's points of view and then you really have to get into like what's sexy about it like maybe this person goes to a gangbang or an orgy like every week is it boring for them how do they keep it interesting or maybe for someone it's the first time and it's it's arousing because it's so new and you're stimulating all these senses and there's so much to see and do Um, so I think it's really about creating that mood and also sort of, and maybe in a way the storytelling in that you're not just relating, okay, you know, she touched her breast and pinched her nipple. Like, I think sometimes newer writers focus on those physical aspects, which are part of erotica, but they're not the whole story. I don't think you can just say, this person touched this person or did this action. You, You also have to, explore what did that feel like and I think really good writers can explore how it feels like for both people or however many people are in the scene um and which really I think brings a lot to it because then you're talking about the interplay between them and what they're each getting out of it and in a lot of especially BDSM erotica what I see is what the submissive or the bottom is getting out of it and I think it can be really hot and also um, informative to see what the top or the dominant is getting out of it. Like, why is it a turn on to do those things to someone? And that that's harder to do because I think it's harder to sort of explain, okay, I'm getting off on giving someone pain, even though, you know, it's clearly that they want the pain and it's erotic. It's not that they're hurting them in the non-erotic yeah. You know, harm way. way of yeah. yeah but but I think that is still challenging to describe but when you can do it you really I think then the points of view feed off of each other yeah. so I also I like to see that where even if it's mainly from one person's point of view whether it's first person or it's focused on that person if you can give dialogue of the other person or just some insight into why they're turned on too, or what about the scene is doing it for them. Even if the turn on is just making that other person happy or, you know, even if their person B is focused on person A's pleasure, that's still, that tells you something about person B, you know, that tells you that, that whether that's, they think of it as service or whether they just are that kind of person who's in that moment kind of living vicariously through them or whatever it is, I think that can make a story really sexy because it's bringing in multiple points of view. Yeah,
0: I, I think you're speaking there like a lot about that emotional side of sex, almost its psychological side for some people. Like that's we miss that I think sometimes in the visual depictions of sex because sometimes it's just oh here's the bodies, here's the genitals, here's what's going on, and we don't. You don't see the backstory sometimes, you know, or maybe there's a quick five minute plot at the start. But, you know, you throughout the act, you don't see people going, oh, this is why I'm doing this. This is the pleasure I'm getting out of doing this. And so that's, I suppose, a massive plus for erotica, if that's what you're into, knowing the the why of sex as opposed to the more. Yeah practical side of things
1: I mean I think a lot of people wouldn't say that they're into the why of it or that they're reading erotica for the why and maybe they're flipping past that like I don't know maybe people do flip past that and go right to sort of the more physical but I try to encourage authors to weave in both the physical and the emotional together because to me even one line of the emotional like can can just really elevate a sex scene and 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 just inform what someone's doing. So there's a story in Best Women's Erotica of the Year, volume six called Easy Ride about a woman. The story is by Katrina Jackson and it's about a woman who's divorced and she goes to this mit- motorcycle club and has this very sexy encounter, which might be an erotic story, the, the motorcycle club by itself. But to me, what really amped it up is that we know that her... Her ex kind of, I would say, belittled her, like told her she's too much and do this. And, you know, she fell into believing that a bit, which I think is something, if not universal, pretty common.
0: Yeah, So for sure. (laughs) It
1: wasn't a rebellion against that, but it was kind of a reaction to that. And I think that helps you know, you know, why she's doing this next thing, which is not to say another woman couldn't having, you know, let's say anonymous sex or whatever, hers wasn't anonymous, but, you know, anyone could do anything for any reason. But I think knowing those reasons for me as a reader helps um, make the sex hotter because it just is that little backstory. And I think in real life, we don't always know what our own backstory is. Like we don't always know why does this scenario turn me on? I don't always know. And I don't think we have to know to appreciate them. But if you're a writer, you have that freedom to figure that out on behalf of your characters. And I think if you can do that, you can really make those stories memorable for readers, you know, a decade or two later. Like there's things I've read over the years that I will remember some aspect of a character and it's usually not the exact type of sex they had unless that sex was maybe with some unusual sex toy or in an unusual position or, you know, at a, some location that I had never thought about having sex in. Those things I might remember, but the other things I'll remember are, okay, this person was agoraphobic and this lover helped them slowly get used to leaving their house, which most people would say, oh, like, how can you write erotica about agoraphobia? But you can, if you think of it, I I like to think of it as, you know, we're all human and we have a range of emotions and life experiences and life is not always you know, happy and amazing. And we all struggle with things and sex doesn't just go away. I mean, sometimes it might, but I mean, many people are still having a sexual life, whether on their own or with a partner throughout the challenging times and how does sex affect those times and how does sex, um, interplay with whatever it is, could be a breakup or, a death of someone close to you or an illness or the pandemic or whatever um and and i think that's a different kind of erotica like it's a more challenging thing to read and that might not yeah. be everyone's go to but i do like to include at least one story that touches on something deeper i guess or 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 more um rooted in in some aspect of life that people wouldn't think of as sexy because as much as erotica is about fantasy, I also think it's important to model how sexuality plays out in, in reality, you know, even though these are fictional stories, like people are dealing with real life issues. And sure. I think yeah. characters can reflect that.
0: Absolutely. And a great place to, that you can safely explore all, all of those things. And, you know, building on what you're saying there, I remember getting like a free book of erotica back when I was like... 18 or something a long time ago now but um it stayed with me because it was a girl exploring desire and she had to get out of this small town and you know explore the world and the sex wasn't the part I was you know, that was fun, but some parts of I was like, no, that's not my cup of tea for sex, but it was more, I remember the freedom and that, that feeling, because, you know, as an 18 year old, I was also trying to get my freedom and get out of town and stuff, so, um, adding sex into that was kind of a cherry on top, so it was, it was a nice kind of an emotional experience, and relating it back to my own life as well, I suppose, so, um, you mentioned COVID there. I, I did, you know, hear of some COVID erotica stories coming out last year. Um, sh- there's COVID porn out there as well. I mean, this is what humans do. We find something new and then we kind of jump on it. Um, do you think going forward there will be COVID erotica? Is is that a thing? That's I'm really already <laughs> seeing
1: it pop up in stories that people are sending me. And some of them I'm going to publish probably I'm, I'm, finishing up some anthologies coming out uh, next year. But, you know, I'm sort of balancing, okay, by 2022, will people want to put this totally behind us? Or like will they want to think about it when they're reading erotica? But at the same time, you know, I don't want to eroticize any aspect of, you know, the physical, you know, issues people have who have COVID. But I think the realities of quarantine do affect uh, and lockdown and whatever version of that people are living through. I mean, that does affect sexuality, whether you're single or you're partnered, but you don't live with your partner and you've haven't been able to see them, or even if you do live with someone and then you're isolated from the rest of your community. So, you know, I think it will be part of erotica and it already is. I'm seeing it in romance. I'm seeing erotica, but I think it's I think it can fall into that jokey kind of category of like, okay, people are just doing it to make fun of it or just to like go for publicity. But I do think, again, it does touch on some of these deeper issues because I think the pandemic has, has really made people think about like the core, like values of their life, life, death, work, like how what what value do we put on those? like how many hours should we be working on? what does that look like? And I think of course that's gonna affect your sex life. um and I also think the rise of zoom and the rise of just people communicating in other ways also is gonna show up in erotica. It's just not that they weren't there before, but it's easier to, you know, maybe have a, cyber hookup. Cyber makes me feel like I'm in the 1990s, but, um, <laughs> you know, with someone around around the world, like yeah, I think yeah. it could open things up in, in possibly positive ways of exploring, you know, what does desire look like and how does it play out when maybe you've been home alone for essentially a year or more? Like, how does that change your sense of yourself as a sexual person so those are the kinds of things I would be open to reading more about but I also think people are probably looking for escapism after
0: yeah after so long so I think
1: it's it's like a balancing act like I I will probably publish some stories about it but I feel like I wouldn't want too many because I think people want to think about other things but I I don't want to ignore it totally because it has had such a profound impact on people
0: yeah for sure and and change the way people you know think about sex there's a lot of time for reflection during lockdown and thinking about what what we really kind of want out of sex and yeah for sure and and you mentioned there you know in your bio um, that you teach around the world do you notice um, that different countries are more drawn towards certain types of erotica or is it just a whole mix or certain themes for um, different
1: countries? Kind of hard to say. I mean, I have taught in a few different countries. I would love to do it more. I only speak English, so, you know, that might limit it. But I taught a class in Berlin a couple of years ago, and I was really impressed. In fact, that class, you know, they were very, um, not just sex positive, but gender inclusive, and they were pushing me and I kind of the fellow classmates to be more open to not just um, cis characters and so you know I can't really speak to exactly what's big in different places but I do think it's really wonderful when as an editor I get stories sent to me from all over the world. And I really would love to publish more authors outside of the United States because I think, especially because my books are mostly read in the United States because they're with a U.S. publisher, I think it's good for people to have a perspective on what is sex and culture like in somewhere that we may never go, but where where the mores around socializing and dating and sex are, are different um, or might be different. I mean, they might be the same or similar, but um, I think, I think it can be very easy to th- assume that how sex is like, what sex is like for you or your circle of friends is what it's like for everyone. And I think that's something erotic and can help dispel that, you know, maybe somewhere else is more open to certain kinds of sex and maybe somewhere else is less open. And then how do people deal with each of those um, uh, ways of life? Like, because the culture might not be as open maybe people find uh ways around that you know they they form their own communities or their own um back channel yeah it's uh, definitely what happens
0: in ireland <laughs> sex is not an open thing but you scratch the surface and there's a lot going on of, of all sorts of weird and wonderful things so yeah that, that's that's an interesting thing so for people who are thinking about this hopefully we get more Irish people submitting something um to, to represent and, and not like cheesy leprechaun stuff but if that's <laughs> your thing you know knock yourself out but how would people get started in, in this kind of path if they're thinking about it they might have an idea um but they're not sure of how to develop that
1: well I think starting just with whatever you're you know, whatever imagery comes into your head it is is a good way to start. I don't I, I always encourage people to think of if you're writing a short story, it has to be a story. It's not just a scene of, okay, they're they're at the orgy and people are having sex and this happens like you have to really there has to be a beginning, middle, and end. It doesn't always have to be in chronological order, but think about what you're really trying to say with that story, what you're trying to convey. But to get started, I think you can just, if especially if you already have an idea, I would start writing it down and then you can always play with that, edit it. That might turn into three different stories. That might turn into a novel. I mean, you don't know until you start writing it down. And then once you have that setting, you can, you know, see what parts stay and what parts go. I mean, maybe one part of it is really more of an essay that you want to write about your own sex life. And maybe you actually want to explore this other side tangent that you hadn't thought of as much. Um, I think also thinking about the whole picture of, you know, who's there and what is what is everyone's um, interest and involvement. Often we're writing from, we're so focused on one person's point of view that we forget about the other people or person's in the story. And like I said earlier, I think bringing that out can be really valuable and it can just be a good exercise for a writer. So maybe that looks like you write one draft and then you write another draft from the other person's point of view, because I think no matter how experienced you are with writing, and I say this, including myself, you're always going to learn something by trying to write it from another character's point of view, because you're just, looking at it from their mindset. And I think that also really gets into communication issues, because if you're telling a story from person A's point of view, you can give the reader all this backstory of like, when I was whatever, you know, in college, like this happened to me and this, I remember this, you know, you can tell them whatever, but even if it's your long-term partner, they might not know all those things. So sometimes the reader has knowledge that, these characters, partners don't have. And so when you think of it that way, and then you try to look at it from the other characters point of view, person B, let's call them, um, you know, it it might look different because, you know, let's say it's a spanking story and person A is like, spank me harder and harder and harder. And they know what their own limits are. But if, if it's their first time doing it, person B doesn't know or doesn't know that like they've done this before or whatever. So I think like it can really help you crystallize how much detail to include and, you know, it's not that you have to share every thought they've ever had or everything they've ever done or just conversation decision. the partners yeah. have ever had, but enough to kind of get into the mindset of of these people and also just give some, some context to it. Um, and sometimes I think people feel like, oh, well, I've had a, let's just say vanilla sex life. I, I've only, maybe I've only had sex with one partner or I've only done these positions or whatever. Do I have enough experience to write erotica? And I think anyone has enough experience to write erotica. You don't have to have done the things you're writing about. Now, if you're writing about um, like a certain sex toy or a position, I think it would behoove you to, to maybe look at porn or photos of how that works or if you feel comfortable, ask someone who you know who's done that just to make sure you get the mechanics right. But because I feel so strongly that so much of what makes the story erotic is that emotional element, I think we all have the ability to tap into that. Like that requires your imagination and your empathy. And we all have that no matter what our life experience has been. And I think sometimes people forget that and get so fixated on like, did I get each, you know, bondage not right which those are important details but I think more important is getting to the emotional core of why that character wants to do that thing and you know maybe your character could be like you and they're new to all this and haven't done it and they're trying to figure out what it would be like to do it like you can also include that sense that you might have of am I in the right place you know you can include that in your erotica your characters don't all have to be you know, people who've been there, done that, like they can also be sort of beginners at whatever thing you're writing about. And
0: that appeals to a lot of different people for, for so many reasons. It doesn't, not everyone has to be an expert, so to speak. So, and I'm sure you have different, um, staging settings like uh, you know some people like the everyday world of amateur stuff where you know you're writing about getting home and doing the shopping and the catwalks by or whatever and some like the hyper fantasy stuff of you're in some super hot sex club and everyone's wearing you know thousand dollars worth of um, latex or whatever and i'm sure there's that market is there for everybody i'd say you name it and there's a erotica stage for the for that type have you come across anyone that you're particularly going I did not think that that was sexy, but actually that place setting sounds like really hot now in this story.
1: Well, for me, and I know a lot of people love science fiction, I am just, I want to like science fiction, but it's very hard for me to picture other worlds and other ways of sort of, you know, existing. So that is a challenge for me. And that's, you know, that's not, to knock science fiction. It's just the way my mind works. It's very literal. So when I can find an author who will, whose work I can just, I can picture it and I can go there. I really like that. So there's an author, Robin Lovett, L-O-V-E-T-T. She writes erotic romance and they're they're set in these alien planets. One is a sex planet. And I really like them because I, I do have to do that mental work of picturing this other society. Cause that's part of the plot, but it's really cool because it kind of what reading those reminded me that in erotica, I guess, or in any other genre, like you're not wedded to the way humans operate. You can talk about different ways that beings could operate. I mean, maybe that affects their sex life or, or their sex you know, organs or whatever, or maybe it just affects um how their culture treats sex like in one of her books um i i think um now i'm trying to remember what i want to say i might get this slightly wrong but um there's this uh that like se- having sex is is kind of what you do like it, it that is like having sex often is just part of the culture and with with various people almost the way monogamy is treated in our culture, that like yeah. polyamory is treated okay,
0: okay. Um, in
1: theirs. So uh you know it's just just an interesting concept. And I think, you know, you can play with things like that, like like explore worlds where the things that we're so used to that we take for granted are are just gone and the the life is different. You know, from especially around some of the things that are still taboo in our society. Because I think, like, for instance, polyamory has been so much, there's been so much more written about it. I think it's so much more accepted. I think younger generations are much more open about it and open to it. But in mainstream society, at least here in the United States, I imagine, I'm sure where you are, and in most places, (laughs) it's not. Like if you, I mean, it's not that people would shun you, but it's not as accepted and it's still um, shocking, I guess, to a lot of people. And so, and a lot of people would find it immoral. So I think, I think erotica can push some of those boundaries and, and humanize those kinds of relationships. I think that's the other thing that erotica can do. It can, even though it's about sex. So of course it's sexual, but I think it can be a way to Put a human face on on different types of desire and make people understand why someone would be turned on by this thing. I mean, I don't think you can say, "Okay, well, I understand this fetish or this way of life completely because I read one book about it." Um, but I think it, it that can stay with you yeah,
0: for a long time. The way that may
1: be. that book you were talking about that yeah. you read. I think people can, if they can get in the mindset of it and sympathize with a character, they can understand, even if something is not their personal kink or interest, they can understand why it might be someone else's. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that that, empty, I suppose, is nice. Well, well, you mentioned humans there. What about the opposite side? We're always hearing about sex robots are going to come in and take over the world and and everything else. I think people have been saying that for a long time. (laughs) It hasn't quite happened yet. Is there a lot of erotica coming up more about, I suppose, the sex tech side of things? Because, you know, we obviously live in a very tech-focused world these days. And um, Is that part being eroticized?
1: I think it has. I haven't really read that much of it myself. I feel like the thing I see more of is like dinosaurs and, and creatures that either did live or or shifters or, or more kind of less robotic and more um what's that word, sentient or whatever. Um, you know, I think I I, I see I tend to see more of that kind of erotica, but okay. I, I also think technology can be used in erotica in lots of different ways not just the like sex robot because that feels to me a little bit like a cliche maybe maybe they're coming (laughs) I don't (laughs) know but I think technology is such a part of our lives in so many ways and of course our sex lives I mean not everyone but there's now these smart sex toys coming up and um just various ways. I think people meet their partners. So many people meet sexual partners through some kind of technology. And I think, um, and I think there, I think there's also an opportunity to think about if there were sex robots, like what would we want from them? What, what would the ideal be like? And actually that reminds me, I have published a, a story I really loved, even though it's not usually my thing about a an AI. And and I think a lot of what I've seen is where, you know, they might program it a certain way, but then it winds up taking on a life of its own and doing things that the creator didn't didn't expect.
0: I, I think that will be the future for a lot of things if we do get our sex robots. Um, but go back to the dinosaur one. There, what what happened there? What is dinosaur that erotica? That really big,
1: like, um, maybe eight years ago or so. There was, there was this boom in dinosaur erotica, and it's I, I haven't really read much of it. I mean, but people who like it like really like it. Like there there were these authors who were pumping out quite a bit of. Is it like humans dinosaur... having sex
0: with dinosaurs? Yeah like the logistics of that seem quite challenging like dinosaurs are big we're small yes
1: (laughs) Uh, I don't I don't know I mean if you google dinosaur erotica you will come across (laughs) the things I'm uh, talking about and so I think you know everyone has their own thing that they're interested in and so I don't purport to be covering every possible aspect of erotica but I'm always looking for new writers, because they might be eroticizing something that I literally had never thought of, you know, and, and I think that's why I'll keep doing it, hopefully for another, however, more decades, because I've always said to myself, if I feel bored by it, like, if I feel like, okay, I'm just doing the same thing over and over, then I'm gonna stop. But I don't feel that way. Because, um, you know, people will send me stories that are looking, you know, that are playing on ancient myths or ancient fairy tales or stories. They'll send me stories, um, you know, set in other cultures or, or literally other worlds, or they'll just send me stories that are not, you know, fantastic in that kind of way, but are just have such a human um, heart to them, you know, that are about things that that really touch me. You know then that, that that are the kinds of stories i would reread over and over
0: mm. oh well there's a lot of scope there for irish listeners we have a long history of other worlds and our in our folklore myths and legends so um if anyone is thinking there you go um what kind of like is it like Five thousand words how do people um send i in you stuff?
1: know i usually my limits are like two to five thousand words and i've i've thought about going higher because some people are like five thousand isn't enough um the, the problem is I have a total word count. So if I said, okay, everyone send me 10,000 st- word stories. I could, if yep. I had, if I was taking 10,000 words, like I could only do seven in one book. And That's I a feel big like, book, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, well, it would be the same size as the other ones, like seven times 10 for 70,000, but then I would only be able to publish seven authors. So I'm always trying to balance because even within that, like if I have 70,000 words, I could publish, uh, what is it? 14 5000 words or 35 2000 words. So it usually balances out so- somewhere around like 25 stories. Okay. Um you know and I, I I wouldn't tell someone to cut something just cuz you know I'm running out of space. Like I try to give people the amount of space they need, but um you know I think within that there's just there's a lot you can do. Even I I have a book coming out next year, all the stories are 1200 words or less. And those, um, I've done a few of those before. Some people really love them because they're very quick, like in the book, it's four or five pages. And some people hate them because they think, oh, well, I got to the end and now it's over and there's a new one. And I, I get that frustration. I get people who want more about those characters, but I do think that it, can really be a skill to tell a hot story with that beginning, middle and end oh, in yeah. such a short sure, yeah. time span. And um I mean, word count. And I think that's a way you can also challenge yourself, especially if you're pressed for time, you're like, I want to write erotica, but you know, I have work and kids and family and hobbies and whatever, you know, you could say, okay, I'm going to set an hour and try to write like a story in whatever, let's say, 1,500 words or 1,000 words, or, or you just say, okay, I'm going to write this part of it and just see what comes out. Because I think I do this too. We put so much pressure on ourselves to know everything about what we're going to write before we sit down. And often we have some kernel of it and it will unfurl as you're actually in that headspace and not focused on anything else. And you're just writing and figuring out you know, where to go next. Um yeah. And a I,
0: process. <laughs> when
1: I teach erotica writing workshops, they're often pretty open-ended. I'm, I'm not giving you usually tons of prescriptive, you should do this, you should do this. I'm more saying like, here's what you could be writing about. And then once you write it, like I might say, oh, okay, maybe expand on this or, you know, give more detail on that. So I think a lot of people who want to write erotica just need to sort of sit down and even, or if you're stuck for ideas, like sit and look out your window. Like I could look out my window right now. Um, and I mean, I don't know what I would say, cause I've just thought of this, but I could challenge myself. Okay. I see four different homes and, you know, five different cars. Like what could I write set in one of those? And, you know, if I really wanted to, I could sit here and make a story that, I mean, I don't really know my neighbors, so I don't know what goes on behind their doors, but I could think about it and I could think about, okay, like, you know, what is happening there or, or, you know, you could do the same at anyone you come across online or in person. Like what is, what makes that person tick sexually? I mean, don't go up to them and say that, just <laughs> no. think it to yourself. Yeah. I think we Intent. all encounter people. And if, if okay. you don't encounter people in your daily life, like look in the newspaper. The newspaper is a great source of uh, fodder. You know, like uh, we're recording this. The Grammys are about to happen. I mean, maybe you set your story at the Grammys or maybe you set like, it at a sports event or maybe yeah. you set it in whatever a parliament or, yeah. you know, a, 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 like I've I've used the news to inspire stories multiple times. And it's it's kind of fun because. writing fiction so you can do whatever you want
0: yeah that's and that's yeah the freedom of that is just really lovely so um rachel it's been amazing where can people contact you then if they want to send in ideas or ask about upcoming calls or um just find all all your previous books to get inspired by because there's Uh, a lot you
1: you can go to my website rachelkramerbustle.com uh uh, I If you click on call for submissions, you'll see if I'm accepting stories, which I, I am most of the time, or, or I'm going to be accepting them, you know, shortly if I'm not. Um, and I have links to my uh, uh, books and audiobooks and newsletter. And um, you can email me uh, mail at rachelkramerbustle.com if you have questions. Uh, yeah. And, cool. and you're on Twitter tuned. as well. I am on Twitter, Raquelita. And I also want to plug the Best Women's Erotica series it has its own social media. So we're Best Women's Erotica on Instagram and BW of the Year on Twitter and Facebook. And I try to post fun, sexy, Stuff on
0: those, fabulous, fabulous. Well, look, I hope there's a glow of uh, Irish-themed erotica coming your way after this. So, from um, Crisscross, um, and if you need to reach out to Rachel, drop her a line. Um, if you want to DM me, it's Glow West Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I don't want to read your erotica just yet. Send it to Rachel first. Um, so <laughs> before you send it to me, um, and thanks, Mill, for listening. And I hope that uh, yeah, get those get those stories coming in to Rachel there. So thanks, Mill, for listening as always you know if you want to support the tortoise shack it's patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack, and i'll chat to you next week